So good to see each one of you. We're going to see you next year even, not only next week. My name is Dennis. I'm one of the pastors here. And today we're taking a little journey. I'm unpacking a story from two kings. And so before we get into the story, let's just not close in prayer, not that time yet. Let's open in prayer. Father, I thank you that you're a good God. I thank you, Lord, that we can stand here at the end of 2017 knowing that you have got 2018 in your hands. And Lord, I pray as I share today, Lord, that you will touch hearts, you will speak into lives, Father. I pray for hope to arise, Father. I pray this in in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. It's good to see you. The title of my sermon today is called, Could This Be? And really what it is, it's about saying, Lord, what could this be? As we look down the road into 2018, what could this be? What could this 2018 look like? What is our hope? What is our heart? What is our faith as we step into 2018? Now, I'm a visual person, so I always see things in pictures. And I almost, as I stand right here right now, I see a picture of a door. And as we look, I'm standing on the brink. There's 2017 behind me. It's amazing. It's been good. There's been battles. We've lost people. We've seen some battles in it. There's been difficult moments. There's been joys. But we stand here, and we've got that door for 2018. We're about to step across. We're excited. But for some of them, like me, we're like, ah. I'm a little nervous. Do I open that door? Now, we need to go through that door, but we're nervous to open that door because we don't know what's through that door. There's fears that come. There's doubts that come about what's going to happen. We might already be sitting here worrying about 2018. I've got four children in school, so I've got school fees and stationery and uniforms. So 2018 is a little, it's exciting, but uh, do I want to go there? And so, for each of us, the one thing we can stand on is that as we open that door, Jesus is standing there waiting for us. He's standing there ready to welcome us into 2018. So, I'm excited. So, today we're talking through a scripture. It's a passage, quite a long passage in two kings, but it's a story because I love stories. And so... It's in 2 Kings, so if you can go with me in your Bibles to 2 Kings 24. Sorry, 2 Kings 6, verse 24. And I'm going to read this to you. And it says, Afterward, Ben-Hadad, king of Syria, mustered his entire army and went up and besieged Samaria. And there was a great famine in Samaria as they besieged it, until a donkey's head was sold for 80 shekels of silver and the fourth part of a cab of dove's dung for five shekels of silver. Now as the king of Israel was passing by on the wall, a woman cried out to him, saying, Help my lord, O king. And he said, If the lord will not help you, how can I help you? From the threshing floor or from the wine press? And the king asked her, What is your trouble? She answered, This woman said to me, Give your son that we may eat him today, and we will eat my son tomorrow. So we boiled my son and ate him. And on the next day, I said to her, give your son that we may eat him. But she has hidden her son. When the king heard the words of the woman, he tore his clothes. Now he was passing by on the wall, and the people looked, and behold, he had sackcloth beneath on his body. 
And he said, may God do so to me, and more also, if the head of Elisha, the son of Shaphat, remains on his shoulders today. And we carry on reading in verse 32. Elisha was sitting in his house, and the elders were sitting with him. Now the king had dispatched a man from his presence, but before the messenger arrived, Elisha said to the elders, do you see how this murderer has sent to take off my head? Look, when the messenger comes, shut the door and hold the door fast against him. Is not the sound of his master's feet behind him? And while he was still speaking with them, the messenger came down to him and said, this trouble is from the Lord. Why should I wait for the Lord any longer? But Elisha said, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord, tomorrow about this time, a seer of fine flour shall be sold for a shekel, and two seers of barley for a shekel at the gates of Samaria. Then the captain on whose hand the king leaned said to the man of God, if the Lord himself should make windows in heaven, could this thing be? But he said, you shall see it with your own eyes, but you shall not eat from it. Now, that's an amazing story. It's a story of the city of Samaria. Now, the city of Samaria is a city in the north of Israel, just north of Jerusalem, and it's built on a hill. So it has kind of a bit of a commanding presence, and because it's built on a hill overlooking some plains, it's strategically strong. And so cities in those days had walls built around them. So what would happen is if I had an army, I wanted to attack your army, I would go and I would besiege your city. If I couldn't defeat you outright, I would then besiege the city, which would mean I would prevent any food going into the city and anyone coming in and out of the city. I would essentially hold you captive until you either grew so weak from hunger that you gave up or you were so weak I could just come in and destroy you. Now imagine you woke up this morning and the city of Johannesburg was surrounded by tanks. Imagine that picture if you were, the city was surrounded by tanks and this city was under siege. So imagine you're sitting here and there's fear that arises in your heart. You're sitting here and you're suddenly struck by the fact that Checkers ShopRite trucks can't get in or out. No food can come in or out. Not even Woolworths trucks can come in or out. I know. Terrible times. Then they cut off the electricity. Aish. Then they cut off the water. Then you can't get coffee. Okay? Terrible. And then you know what they do? The final straw, they cut off the internet. And then the world feels like it's about to end. Now, this was the city of Samaria. They were under siege, they were surrounded, they were feeling fear. They were feeling hopelessness. Their economy was a mess. People were suffering. There was little hope for change. Now, the amazing thing is, if you think, look at the scripture, it says they were eating donkey's heads. Now, a donkey in those days was a beast of burden. It carried their stuff. It was like a bucky to a plumber today. Okay? If you ate your donkey, you're eating your bucky. And so that's a problem. And also, donkeys don't have much to eat you know, that you can eat this cheek and that cheek and this ear and that ear. So things were in an extreme situation. Donkeys were also unclean. So you didn't easily eat them. Then they ate dove's dung. I've sort of got this picture on my mind of this little boy with a teaspoon following a pigeon. Come on, do your thing, I'm hungry. 
Now, this was the situation in the city, but it got worse than that. The people were eating their children. And you can imagine, the king's walking along the wall. This, the, the, this lady cries out to him to say, help me. And he goes, how can I help you? There's nothing on the threshing floor. Nothing is being prepared. There's nothing in the wine press. There's not even grapes, not even fruit. What can I do? And she explained the picture of her baby and the other lady's baby. And they'd made this deal. We'll boil and eat your baby. And then we'll boil and eat my baby. And then we'll, we'll not be hungry. That's how bad the situation was. And so you can imagine the king was so upset to hear this. He tore his clothes and then he did like all of us when faced with an impossible situation. We look to blame someone. And so that's where he wanted to blame someone. And then he said, it must be God and it must be the man of God. So he went after Elisha. And so he sent off a messenger to Elisha. And when he went to Elisha, Elisha said to his elders, the king's going to try and cut off my head. But I hear the messenger coming, but the master is just behind him. And so the interesting thing, the master's just behind him. And I think it's because the master, the king was kind of going, he sent off the messenger, cut off his head. And then he realized, uh-oh, I'm going to cut off the head of God's anointed. I better go stop him. And so you can imagine the scene where Elisha's standing there, his elders are standing there. He's got the captain of the host. He's got the, guy, the messenger with the sword that was going to chop off his head. He's got the king there. And Elisha says, you know what? This situation might look impossible, but God's going to do something. Within 24 hours, I'm going to change things around. Now, that is how God works. God takes the impossible and makes it possible. God takes a situation which looks like nothing can happen, that's like there's no solution, and he can bring a solution, and he can bring a solution in a moment. I mean, if you think about the nation of Zimbabwe recently, what happened? Within a week, God took something that looked impossible and made it possible. It wasn't logical, but God did it. Now, in our lives, there's a scripture that God's promises, it's a scripture I hold on to. It's a scripture in Mark 10, verse 27, and it says, Jesus looked at them and said, with man it is impossible, but not with God, for all things are possible with God. All things are possible with God. All things are possible with God. Genesis 18, verse 14 says, is there anything too hard for God? And so I want you to think about your impossible situation. And your impossible situation might be you've been trusting God for a while for a husband or a wife. Your impossible situation might be your finances. Your impossible situation might be something in your marriage that's not going well. You've been, spent the whole holidays fighting. Your impossible situation might be that you've been trusting God for the salvation of your child or your husband or your wife, and you've not seen that thing come about. The messenger said, why should I wait for God any longer? There was that frustration. You might have that frustration. You're not seeing God's promised, but you're not seeing the fruit. And so my encouragement for you today is to take that impossible situation and hold it in your heart and your mind before God. Because God's got a solution. Now let's see where the story goes. In 2 Kings 7, we continue to read in verse 3. Now there were four men who were lepers at the entrance to the gate. 
And they said to one another, why are we sitting here until we die? If we say, let us enter the city, the famine is in the city and we shall die there. And if we sit here, we die also. So now come, let us go over to the camp of the Syrians. If they spare our lives, we shall live. And if they kill us, we shall but die. So they rose at twilight to go to the camp of the Syrians. But when they came to the edge of the camp of the Syrians, behold, there was no one there. For the Lord had made the army of the Syrians hear the sound of chariots and of horses, the sound of a great army, so that they said to one another, Behold, the king of Israel has hired against us the kings of the Hittites and the kings of Egypt to come against us. So they fled away in the twilight and abandoned their tents, their horses, and even their donkeys, leaving the camp as it was and fled for their lives. And when these lepers came to the edge of the camp, they went into a tent and ate and drank, and they carried off silver and gold and clothing and went and hid them. Then they came back and entered another tent and carried off things from it and went and hid them. Then they said to one another, we are not going, doing right. This day is a day of good news. If we are silent and wait until the morning light, punishment will overtake us. Now therefore come, let us go and tell the king's household. So they came and called to the gatekeepers of the city. And told them, we came to the camp of the Syrians, and behold, there was no one to be seen or heard there. Nothing but the horses tied and the donkeys tied and the tents as they were. Then the gatekeepers called out, and it was told within the king's household. And the king rose in the night and said to his servants, I will tell you what the Syrians have done to us. They knew that we were hungry, therefore they have gone out of the camp to hide themselves in the open country, thinking, when they come out of the city... We shall take them alive and get into the city. And one of his servants says, Let some men take five of the remaining horses, seeing that those who are left here will fare like the whole multitude of Israel who have already punished, perished. Let us send and see. So they took two horsemen, and the king sent them after the army of the Syrians, saying, Go and see. So they went after them as far as the Jordan. And behold, all the way was littered with garments and equipment that the Syrians had thrown away in their haste. And the messengers returned and told the king. Then the people went out and plundered the camp of the Syrians. So a seer of fine flour was sold for a shekel, and two seers of barley for a shekel, according to the word of the Lord. Now this is an amazing picture. The city had been surrounded. Their situation looked impossible. And remember I said a moment ago, think of that impossible situation that's before you. Hold it before God. Now, something I forgot to mention a moment ago was just an example. I, we, had some fam well, we have some family members who had an impossible situation. Now, their impossible situation is they had, they're business people. They had signed surety on someone's debt. Now, don't ever do that. They had signed surety. They, they were in partnership with a lady importing cars from China, and they had signed surety for her debt. She then skipped the country. So then the bank, who she owed this large amount of money to, came to them to say, pay the money, give me the money. And they were stuck. They didn't have the money. The bank, one of the major banks, was looking for 50 million rand. They didn't even have 1 million rand. It was an impossible situation. So they suddenly got a lot closer to God. And suddenly, they suddenly were seeking God. Suddenly, they were seeking God. We were praying for them. 
And they were trusting God for a miracle. We were trusting God for a miracle. So they went to court. They were trying to fight it. But this bank was a big bank and it had powerful lawyers. And they got there. And it, the, they were, the, the judge was making deliberations, looking at his details. And he said, okay, show me, Mr. Big Bank, show me the original document where they signed surety for this 50 million. And the Big Bank looked through their papers and they couldn't find the original. And the judge says, you can't find the original. They don't have to pay the money. And can you see, God took the impossible. They didn't see that coming. God turned it around. Now, let's go to the lepers. The lepers were there at the, at the doorway, at the gateway to the city. Now, lepers were the outcasts of that society. They weren't accepted into the society. Even though the city was surrounded by an army, they were still outside the city. And what they did, lepers were people who had a skin disease. And now, lepers in those days had a range of skin disease. Leprosy, as we know it, is a disease where parts of your skin, go, of, your, of your flesh go numb. You can't feel it. And so if, say, for example, my finger went numb, and I cut it by mistake when I'm chopping vegetables, and then it got injured, I wouldn't feel it. And then it would start to get, get uh, what's it, infected. And then I couldn't feel it, and then I'd have to chop it off. And so they walked around with missing toes and missing fingers, with skin lesions. They weren't pretty. They had to wear something over their face so that they couldn't spread germs. And they had to, as they walked, they had to ring a bell saying, unclean, unclean. They were rejected by society. But can you see something? God used them. And this is how God works. We often look to say, we look to the powerful people to say, God, are you going to use the powerful people? But God looks at people and he says, I'm going to use the imperfect things of this world. So I've got a scripture. And if you could jump to the, the slide with the scripture on it. And this is a scripture called 1 Corinthians 1. This is one of my favorite scriptures. And 1 Corinthians 1 verse 27 says, But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. Now, if we look to the Bible, God has used the foolish things of the world. He used Moses, who had a stutter. He used Joseph, who was just a young man. He used David, who was a shepherd boy. He used Rahab, who was a prostitute, to free and bring restoration to Jericho. He used Mary, a young teenage Jewish girl, to give birth to the Messiah. God uses the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. He uses the weak things of the world to bring his joy. Now, on that slide, you would have seen there's a ladybird. And my, Tiff my daughter Tiffany, who's six-year-old, that's her favorite little creature. And it's a foolish-looking thing. But a ladybird is, is a powerful creature because a ladybird eats aphids. Now, you might ask what aphids are. Aphids are little creatures that eat crops. And so ladybirds are the farmer's best friend because they go eat the crops. I mean, they don't eat the crops. They eat the aphids so that the aphids don't eat the crops. And so this, that little creature, that little foolish creature, God can still use. And so 
I want you to think of yourself. Often we say, Lord, you can't use me because I'm weak. Or Lord, I can't succeed in this area of my life, in my workplace, because I'm weak. Look at all my weaknesses. Look at all my issues. But God says, I use the weak things of the world to confound the wise. God says, I want to use you to bring hope to your family. I want to bring you to bring restoration into your workplace. I want to give you wisdom to change your situation. God wants to use you. He uses those weak things of the world. We often look to the strong to solve our problems. God turns it around and he looks to the weak. That's how he's worked. If you read the Bible, you'll see story after story how God uses the imperfect, the weak, to do his will. And that gives me a lot of hope because I am weak. Amen? So, we've seen God steps into impossible situations to make them possible. We've seen that God wants to use us weak people to do his will. But thirdly, God wants us to take action. Now, those lepers were sitting there. They were sitting there, and they were saying, if we go into the city, we'll die. Maybe they'll eat us. They were saying, if we stand here at the gate, we're going to die. So let's move towards the Syrians, and then maybe we die, but there's a chance they give us some food because we know they've got food. And so that's what they did. They took a step in the direction God called us to. Now, often our challenges, we say, Lord, because, I mean, those lepers could have sat there and gone, okay, Lord, Lord, we pray that you come and relieve our situation. And then they would have withered away. But God required that they take a step. God required that they step towards the Syrians. And, and the interesting thing is, as they moved towards the Syrian army, God created some noise in the Syrian army's head, and they heard armies. They thought the king of Israel had brought the armies of Egypt and the armies of the Hittites. And so suddenly, they fled. And so it wasn't, was it the lepers who solved the problem? No. It was them taking a step in the direction that God had called them. God then used that to solve the problem. Can you see that? In God's strength, those lepers made an impact bigger than what they could have done as just mere humans, as imperfect beings. God used their movement forward. God calls us to take steps forward. God calls us to step out. I love the story of David and Goliath. And in 1 Samuel 17, there's a scripture there where it says, David took his staff in his hand and chose five smooth stones from the brook and put them in his shepherd's pouch. His sling was in his hand, and he approached the Philistine. Now, David, again, didn't just say, Lord, kill Goliath. Look, he's a big guy. David had to take the skills and the abilities God had given him, take those things, and walk towards the, the, the giant, the thing challenging him. Similarly, God wants you to take what he's given you and walk towards your impossible to take the step. In Matthew 14, verse 29, we read the story. Jesus, the disciples had been on the boat in the Sea of Galilee. They were stuck. Jesus came walking towards them, calmed the storm, and Peter said, Lord, call me out. Let me walk on the water as well. And Jesus said, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. 
Peter had to step out of the boat. To see God's miracle, he had to take a step. What is the boat God's calling you to step out of? Because sometimes we're comfortable. We're saying, Lord, solve our problem. And God's been giving you a direction. He's been saying something to you. But you've been too fearful to take that step, whatever it might be. And my challenge to you this morning is to listen for God's voice. And then obey. Because then you're going to see God's miracle. That's what the lepers did. They took a step. The miracle came. Now, a personal example from my life. I have always been a little shy. I'm an introvert by nature. And so God, I, I, went, I got saved, came to Wits University. Yay, Wits University. And I was there at the His People Campus Society, and we used to have Friday night meetings. And I would go to those Friday night meetings. But because I was shy, and because I had issues, we all have issues, right? And I had issues with rejection. So I would look at people and go, you didn't come up and greet me. Jesse, you should have come and greeted me. And, we, and I would look for people to come and greet me. And then I'd say, these Christians aren't friendly. And then I'd say, God doesn't love me. And then the devil would lie to me and say, you're not worth it. And then the next week I thought, okay, you know what? I'm not going to go. And then I'm going to see if anyone notices I wasn't there. And then you know what? No one noticed I wasn't there. And then God, and that was like, had me down and, and I was battling with depression. And God then challenged me. And he says, Dennis, I want you to do something. And I had to take a step. And that step was to say, next time when you get to that Wits meeting, instead of you sitting and saying, come to me, people, God challenged me to go to two people, to look for two other people who are sitting on their own, and to go to them and say, hi, I'm Dennis, how are you? And that broke that rejection over my life. God broke it, but I had to take a step. And so my challenge to you today is what is the step that God wants you to take in your situation? Is it a step you need to take away from something? So away from a relationship that's bringing you destruction. Is it a step away from a lie that you're believing about yourself? Is it a step towards where God said, do this, and you're like, I don't want to step out of that boat, Lord, because are you going to catch me? What is that step? What is that step you're going to take in your workplace? What are you going to do? You need to take that step. But remember, like with these lepers, it wasn't you and your step that solves the problem. It was God that brings a miracle because he sees that faith in your heart. Pastor Bill Hybels, a well-known preacher, he talks about God bringing power along the way. We often say, Lord, I'm only going to move if you give me power. But God says, this is faith. Faith says, I take a step. And as I take a step, God's power comes and then I walk. And that's what you need to be doing. You need to be saying, Lord, I'm going to walk in obedience. And yes, we will make mistakes. But God is faithful even then. Let's go back to the last part of the story. King, 2 Kings 7 verse 17 says, Now the king had appointed the captain on whose hand he leaned to have charge of the gate. And the people trampled him in the gate so that he died as the man of God had said when the king came down to him. For when the man of God had said to the king, two seers of barley shall be sold for a shekel, and a seer of fine flour for a shekel, about this time tomorrow in the gate of Samaria, 
The captain had answered the man of God, if the Lord himself should make windows in heaven, could such a thing be? And he had said, you shall see it with your own eyes, but you shall not eat of it. And so it happened to him, for the people trampled him in the gate, and he died. He saw the promises of God, but he didn't eat of it. Now, this is, unbelief is a challenge we face. Unbelief is a challenge we face because as we are walking through our lives, the devil would lie to us and say, you can't trust God. Now, that city of Samaria, they were walking in unbelief because God had promised them 24 hours before, I'm going to bring a miracle. But you know what? They weren't sitting on the walls going, what's happening? The lepers had to come back and tell them the Syrian army had gone. They'd gone hungry probably for another 12 hours because they weren't watching for God's miracle. God had made the promise, but they weren't watching for God to fulfill the promise. Are you watching for God to fulfill the promise in your life? Second area where they had walked in unbelief. And so maybe if you could move to the next slide. The captain of the guard showed unbelief. The captain of the guard had said, could this be? And you could see that's the, sermon, the title of the sermon, Could This Be? Where he was saying, God, could God really do this? They'd been waiting on God for so long. Could this be? And so my challenge for you today is to look at the promises God has given you and to believe them. Because this is what unbelief is. Unbelief, like the captain of the God, is saying, this is a new thing and can't be true. And sometimes we look at our own human logic and we say, by our own logic, something can't happen. The 50 million can't become naught. By our logic. This is a sudden thing and cannot be true. God can't move in an instant. But we've seen in Scripture, we've seen in history, God can. There is no way to accomplish this thing. It looks impossible. There is only one way God can work. Whereas God can work in a myriad of ways. Even if God does something, it won't be enough. Now, my question to you is, what lies are you listening to? What of those lies are you listening to? God won't be enough. Or, I can't buy my human reason seeing a solution, so I'm just going to give up. I'm just going to stay in this place. But God's challenge is to trust His Word and to listen to His Word. Now, as I close, I'm going to read two final scriptures. Isaiah 53 verse 1 says, Who has believed what he has heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? And I want to see God's hand. And I'm sure you want to see God's hand. But it takes a belief in saying, God's word says, and because God's word says, I'm going to trust that God's hand's going to come. And I just got this picture of God's hand going into the situation. Are you going to trust for God's hand? The second scripture from Romans 4 says, this is talking about Abraham, no unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. And that's what I'm calling us to. That's what I'm calling myself to as we go into this new year. What is our response how are we going to respond to these things, to this lesson from the Scripture? Firstly, we've seen that God can change the impossible to possible. We saw how He took that city, and he, within 24 hours, 
They moved from eating donkey head and dove dung to barley and fine flour. God can do the impossible. Are you going to stand in faith for God to take your impossible thing and turn it around? Secondly, God uses the foolish things of this world. God wants to use you in your situation. God wants to use you in your workplace. God wants to use you to say something to someone next to you. God wants to use you to bring hope where there's death. God wants to use you despite your weaknesses, actually because of your weaknesses. Don't use your weaknesses as an excuse. God wants us to take action. What action do you need to take? How, what are the steps you need to take towards what God has promised you? What are the things that you should be doing as a step of faith to say, Lord, because you said, I'm going to take a step. What are those things? But remember in that, it's not you who succeed or does it. It's God who comes in, sees that faith, and he acts on our behalf. Amen? And lastly, are we going to trust God? Are we going to trust God for his miracle-working power on his behalf? Now, my final thoughts as we finish is the people in that city were crying out. They were saying, why should I wait on the Lord any longer? The lepers had gone to the, to the Syrian camp. They had fed, they had stolen, the, they'd taken the gold and they'd hidden it. And they suddenly realized, you know what? We are full. We've filled. Those promises for us have been fulfilled. But there's a city over there that needs food, that needs hope. And so for you and I as believers, that's my challenge as we go into 2018. We are full. We've got God's promises. We've got God in our hearts. We've seen God come through for us. But are we going to take those promises to the city out there? Are we going to take God's promises to the people next to you, the people who are your neighbor, the person in your workplace who needs God's promises in their life? Are we going to bring that hope into their lives? Are we going to, again, that's going to take a step, but are you willing to take the step? So let's stand. I want to pray for you. So stand with me, and we're going to pray as we close. And what I want you to do as you stand is to lift your both arms up. And really what we're saying is, Lord, I'm going to give you, let's pray. Lord, we come before you today. Lord, we come before you as imperfect beings. We come before you as the least. But Lord, we know you're a great God. And Lord, right now as we lift our arms up to you, we take those things, those impossibilities, those relationships, those financial challenges, those health issues, Lord God. And Lord, we give those things to you, Father. And Lord, we know that you take the impossible and you make them possible. Lord, use each of us to bring your glory. Use each of us to bring your truth and your righteousness into the world around us, Father. Lord, I pray, Lord God, that you will give us, and for each person here, I pray that you will speak into their hearts the actions they need to take into their impossible situations. Lord, I pray, Lord God, that you will give us a renewed faith in you. Because, Lord God, you've got 2018 in your hands. Lord, you know what you want to do in our lives, in this city, in this nation. And, Lord, we give each person to you. And we declare that you are the Lord of lords, the King of kings. Lord, your will be done in our lives, Lord God. Help us to trust in you and to rest in you for your salvation. 
I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you so much, Dennis.